0: I want to welcome all of you to week one of our new series entitled Uncertain. You know, all of us have been going through challenging times. I mean, this is a very unprecedented season that we find ourselves in. But here's my prayer. My prayer is that we can come out on the other side personally in God stronger, that our families can be stronger. that that we as individuals, as a church, we can be strong. Matter of fact, I'm hearing amazing testimonies of people staying connected to one another, even as a church family that we can grow together. Uncertainty has a way, it has a way of speaking to us. It has a way of, of creating emotions in us that previous to that moment, we've not experienced. In other words, fear. Matter of fact, in this series, we're going to talk about how to overcome fear, but fear and insecurity, anxiety. I read a recent article about the aftermath of this, about the mental health issues that people are grappling with even right now. And I want to talk to you from the word of God. I want to open the word of God and and help you to understand what God has to say about how to overcome fear how to overcome worry, how to overcome anxiety. See, what uncertainty does is we come into a situation, we don't know what to do, and it creates all of those emotions. Man, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what decision. Some of you guys right now, you're facing situations in your business, and you're not sure what to do, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're feeling all those feelings, and you're grappling with all of those feelings of, of concern and worry and And you're going to the word of God and and you're doing what you need to do. And yet they still kind of keep popping up their head. Well, I wanna help you in this series. All of us, all of us have faced COVID-19 and we have found ourselves facing challenges that seemingly are bigger than us. are things that we've faced that we've never even faced before. There's storms. I know something about storms we all do living down here in the Gulf Coast region. Again, those times where I've, been fishing, and you're on a body of water, and everything looks calm, and that's where some of your lives were. Man, Pastor, if I could go back five or six weeks, my business was going great, things were going great in my life, and, and man, I didn't see this coming, and all of a sudden this turn ca- came, and, and, and now I'm just scrambling, I'm trying to figure out. It's similar to a storm. You could be fishing out on a body of water, all of a sudden the weather changes. What do you do when you don't know what to do? How, how do you respond? to seasons of uncertainty, because those feelings come, and I'm gonna teach you in this series that we live by faith. We don't live by what we feel. We acknowledge what we feel, but we realize that our feelings don't dictate our lives. They're indicators, but they're not dictators. We understand that God's word is what dictates our life. We we follow God's word. Now, one of the things that happens when we're in stressful situations is we all kick into what I call coping mechanisms. And I think it's important that all of us understand this. You, you and I need to be very aware. What are the strategies that you're using to cope right now? If it's not God's word, if it's not getting filled up with worship and the presence of God and good preaching services, then we can begin to fill our lives up with things that are not healthier. Maybe a little bit of alcohol abuse or some drugs that you know that you shouldn't be doing and you and you find yourself drunk maybe it's simply overeating whatever it is maybe it's maybe it's something that you used to do and it seems to be cropping up right now in your life see stress comes from uncertainties i know myself i grapple with eating things i shouldn't and sometimes i'm just putting trash in my body I will say this, you know, we're, we're grateful for all the takeout places. I do want to say, support the restaurants, support local restaurants with takeout orders. I am so grateful to God that McDonald's is open. Can I have a witness in the house of God? And the drive-through where you can get, listen, a hot fudge sundae. It's one of the things that I do, man. When I get stressed, I eat desserts. By the way, you know what stressed means? Backwards, dessert. Check it out. All right, so if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Exodus. We're going to be looking there in just a moment. You know, when we face uncertainty, all of us respond in different ways. I know I do. We all do. And there's often three common responses. And if you have notes, I'm going to ask you to follow along and you may want to write this down. Number one, the first way that we often respond when we face uncertainty and stress and anxiety and worry, sometimes we want to do what I call we fight. We fight. We get all adrenalized. You know what I mean by that? We get all engaged physiologically, emotionally. We ramp up. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that when we become overly and aggressive in uncertain times, we find that our temper gets short with those that are loved ones. that are living in the home with us. And, hey, I didn't say it, We get get overly adrenalized. You know, adrenaline's not a bad thing. The problem is when you get overly adrenalized because of uncertainty, those fears begin to creep in our lives. The problem is we say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. I've learned this. People will submit to your personality and even position when you're over adrenalized. But there are long-term ramifications of that. I've learned that even in my own marriage where there are times where I've said things I shouldn't have said. I get ramped up. I get pretty fired up. I mean, my whole life, I'm I'm a type A person. And when I come under stress, one of the ways that I fight through that is that I ramp up and I I try to dominate the stress. I try to push through. The problem is I say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I've hurt loved ones in my life. Number one, sometimes we fight. Number two, sometimes we flee in times of stress and anxiety and adversity, we can all find ourselves trying to withdraw or ignoring the realities of the situation. In other words, we try to run to avoid it. We either try to fight and overly engage. I'm gonna fight my way through this, or, or we just flee. We wanna detach. We wanna, quote, we wanna check out. The third way that we often respond is we freeze. I wrote this down, we can fight we can flee or we can freeze we get lost in what I would call confusion and ambiguity kind of do the whole ostrich thing we think I just put my head in the sand and when I pull it up it'll all be gone no it's not the problem's actually bigger see God has given us a way biblically where we can deal with uncertainty matter of fact he gives us the tools in his word where we can navigate through uncertainty in faith we, we don't have to live dominated by insecurity. We don't have to live dominated by fear, by worry. We don't have to live dominated, watch this, by anything that would cause us to shrink back. But we can walk in supernatural peace. We can walk in supernatural confidence, I believe, if we learn to do it God's way. You know, it's amazing how many emails I've received and how many people have sent things into the church and questions and pastor and please pray for me. And and again, we are praying for you guys. But this series, this whole series is designed to help equip you with tools. See, I don't know all the outcomes. I don't know what's going to happen in all of culture. And, you know, pastor, when is social distancing going to be over? And I I don't know, but I do know this. I know we can be confident in whatever posture we have to be in. I know we can be in supernatural peace regardless of our environment. See, peace, it's not something on the outside. It's something that we carry on the inside. Question, was there ever a group of people in the Bible that faced a season of uncertainty, that faced a moment of uncertainty where they were so overwhelmed and yet God spoke to them and God gave them keys and clues how to move through that? Well, I want to resoundingly say the answer is yes. The children of Israel are a unique group of people in the Bible that I'm going to help you with because we're going to find ourselves. Matter of fact, I want to say this up front. If you'll stay with me over the next five weeks, this week and four more with this particular series, we're going to find ourselves in the children of Israel, how they faced a situation that was bigger than them. Some of you guys are in that right now. They didn't know how to get out of it. They didn't know what to do. It was bigger than them. And God spoke to them and gave them four things to do. How to move through uncertainty. How to move through fear. How to move through worry. And be confident on the other side. The Bible says something very unique. It, it gives us a picture of where the children of Israel came from. Now, I'm going to give you three minutes of Bible trivia. For those of you that are new Those of you that maybe are tuning in, we're honored that you're with us at Church of the King. I want you to stay with me. Maybe some of you are unfamiliar with some of this biblical background, but I've chosen to give you guys a little bit of biblical background because it's important for this story. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible gives us a background of Abraham, one of the great patriarchs. He had a wife named Sarah, and they had a son after many years. And their son's name was Isaac. Isaac had a son. I'm talking about where the word, the children of Israel came from. The Hebrew people, the whole Jewish race. This is a very important moment of history. Abraham and Sarah have a child. His name is Isaac. Isaac has a son. His name is Jacob. Jacob has a son. As a matter of fact, he has 12 sons. The 11th of the 12 sons, his name is Joseph. Now, another word for Jacob is Israel. So Jacob had 12 sons. His name is also Israel. Israel had 12 sons. Those 12 sons is where the nation of Israel came from. The nation of Israel. That was a man's name. So the 11th son, his name was Joseph. Joseph was favored by God and favored by his dad. So much so that his brothers were intensely jealous. They threw him actually into a pit to kill him and then sold him into slavery. Their little brother, Joseph. Joseph is sold down to Egypt. He ends up in Egypt. God's hand comes upon his life and he's raised up to the number two in all of Egypt. The power of God was on his life. He was gifted by God. Well, there's a famine in Canaan land. And so Jacob or Israel, And all of the 11 boys, watch this, they come down to Egypt, first the boys and then the dad, to get food because they heard that Egypt had all the food. Well, little did they know that the person in charge of all the food distribution was none other than Joseph. They hadn't seen him in years, decades. And after a massive reconciliation, Joseph and all of his 11 brothers, and then his father comes down and they all reconcile. It was glorious and amazing. As a matter of fact, the whole children of Israel, the children of Jacob, they took up residence in Egypt. They had tremendous favor with Pharaoh. Well, after 400 years, after multiple Pharaohs came and went, the Hebrew people were multiplying. The children of Israel were multiplying exponentially. And one of the pharaohs that was in charge didn't like him at all and put them under the taskmaster of the Egyptian whip. So what did God do? God raised up a man, Moses, to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. There were 10 plagues that came into Egypt. And after the 10th and final plague, the children of Israel were released by God through Pharaoh, by the way. They were released To go back home to Canaan land. From Egypt back to Canaan land. Modern day Israel. We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14 verse 9. And as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt going back home. They've been there 400 years. Some theologians believe there may be 500,000 Hebrews at this time. 500,000 children of Israel. Think about that for a moment. That's a lot. Exodus chapter 14, verse nine. They had just started out on the journey and the Bible says, so the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, the horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea. Now imagine what was going through the minds of the Hebrew people. Wait a minute. Didn't we just get out of jail free? I mean, we got a card. We've been in Egypt 400 years. And they come up to the Red Sea and they turn around and now they see Pharaoh's army once again pursuing them. They they were so excited. They were high-fiving one another. They were so thrilled to be released from captivity. And now they face a body of water, the Red Sea. And now they turn around and they see all of the dust from the hoo, the, the, hoofs, uh, of the of the horses, the Egyptian horses. And they're concerned. They're like, what's going on? They weren't sure what it was at first. So I want you to see the picture. They've got the Red Sea in front of them and they've got Pharaoh's army behind them and they didn't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? They were in a difficult place. They found themselves in a place of uncertainty. I want you to think about the parallel here. How many of you guys, if I interviewed you, how many would you say, Pastor, you know what? The truth of the matter is, is that there's areas in my life, there's areas in my business, there's areas in my family, there's areas in life. Look, I don't really know what to do. So in other words, there's an obstacle in front of you, but there's also an obstacle behind. You can't go back, but you can't go forward either. And you definitely can't go around. Why? It's too long. So you feel trapped. You know, I was thinking about this, putting this message together. I was thinking about what are the reasons why we often find ourselves in difficult situations, in trials, in in adversity, in times of uncertainty. Sometimes, Sometimes it's because of the choices that we make. We make a poor choice or somebody else makes a poor choice. In other words, sometimes it's human choice that gets us into the situation. Some of you, you've found yourself in seasons in your life and I found myself at times in my life because of a poor choice that I made and then I was reaping the consequences of that poor choice. But sometimes, number two, we find ourselves in difficult places, not because of a choice that we made or somebody else made, but it's just because we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. We live in a cracked world. Things happen. Diseases happen, miscarriages happen, things happen. And sometimes it's not because of your choice or somebody else's choice, but sometimes it's just the shrapnel of living in a fallen world. Number three, sometimes we find ourselves in situations at difficult places, times of adversity, times of trial, not because of human choice, not because of the brokenness of world, but sometimes it's because God himself led us into that place to grow us up, to develop our character, to grow our faith muscles. See, I believe it's number three. The children of Israel find themselves in a very unique situation, not because of their poor choices, not because of the brokenness of culture. It's because God himself was doing something in them to teach them something to grow their faith. See, the faith that we have today, let me just help everybody with this. We've got to grow our faith. God's got an assignment for your life in the future that he's got to grow your faith now so that you can walk into that. I want you to watch the unique responses that the children of Israel had in this situation. Look what happens. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. I'm just reading right through this powerful biblical account. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And so they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. I bet they were afraid. Talk about finding yourself between a rock and a hard place. So the very first thing they do is when they turn around and they see the obstacle behind them and they see the obstacle ahead of them called the Red Sea. They lift up their voice to God and they cry out to God. Now watch what happens. And by the way, watch what happens in our own lives. As pressure increases, even as pressure increased in some of your lives, as pressure increases, we often go from what I would call questioning to complaining. Look at the next verse here. Interesting. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For, I would have, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I want you to think about that just now, what happened. They went from questioning God. There's nothing wrong with questioning God. And by the way, tough times cause us to question God. In other words, God, what's going on? God, I don't understand. Help me. Lord, I didn't see this come. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Questioning God. You read the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S. You read the book of Psalms. As a matter of fact, there's 66 books in the Bible. 65 books of the Bible are primarily... God speaking to mankind. One book in the Bible, the book of Psalms, is primarily 80% of that is David. When David was lifting his voice to God, when he was in times of trial, whether it was running from Saul or actually running from his son, Absalom. And he was questioning God, oh God. God, I don't understand what's going on. There's nothing wrong with coming to God. God is not freaked out by our questions. Matter of fact, God, God invites us to ask questions. Because our questions lead us to intimacy with God. Uh, when we have questions, it, it, it leads us to a place that's healthy in God where we draw close to God. But what happens is the more the pressure came upon their life, they went from questioning to complaining. Questioning leads us to a place of intimacy with God. Complaining leads us to a place of indicting God. God You let us out here to kill us. Lord, I don't trust you. You see the difference? One is questioning, the other is complaining. Here's my question. Are we living here? Now they're all saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, help me. But the other one is, Lord, you did this to me. You're always against me. No, the Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? God is not your problem, sir. God is your solution. He's not your problem. God is the one trying to help you get out of the current situation you're in. He's trying to give you wisdom. He's trying to give you insight. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to harm you. He's actually trying to help you. There's nothing wrong with questioning. There's a lot wrong with complaining against God. Doubt brings questions. God, why is this happening? That's okay. But complaining is laced with unbelief. And it makes declarations against the very character of God. Let's make sure that our hearts are in the right position. I, I, I remember my, I have four children. I have three older children. And then we have a, an adopted daughter from, from China. And I remember when the Lord spoke to my wife and I, Jennifer and I, to adopt on a lease. And we had many friends that were actually adopting at the time. And at the time, it would only take about maybe 16, 18 months to you, you, a social worker comes to your house and you, you start at what's called a dossier, and they evaluate you, and, and it's good. And they evaluate your family and your needs and, and your expectations and whatnot. And I remember we went through all of our paperwork. Matter of fact, we put our paperwork in the very month after Hurricane Katrina, September of 2005. Now, now we thought, like all the rest of our friends, that in a year, 14 months, matter of fact, one of our friends, they got their baby from China in 14 months. Well, after 14 months and then 18 months, after filling in all that paperwork, no baby. After two years, we 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 begin to hear a little bit of rumbling, and after three years, we were we were really confused. Matter of fact, I remember talking to Jennifer and Jennifer and I going back and forth, thinking, you know what, did, did, did we miss God? Is so there something that we didn't see? Is and boy, there's all these questions. There's nothing wrong with questioning. Questioning God, saying God, why? God, help! God, speak! But we didn't complain against God. We didn't indict God. God, you did, Lord. You no, 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 no. Well, after three and a half years, man, I tell you, the pressure increased. And then four years. Of course, China had the Olympics and went through a whole thing, and it kind of, kind of, I don't know, bogged everything down over there. Now we get into 2009, past 2008 Olympics. Four, four and a half years, and. And I'm telling you, we were really discouraged, but we had a promise from God. And let me say this, some of you right now, God has spoken to you. God has given you promises for your family, for your children, for a business, for things in your life. Let me tell you, don't let calamity, don't let challenges, don't let crisis dictate in your life. Let God's word dictate in your life. The word of God has the last say about our lives, not some circumstantial thing in our lives. Well, sure enough, after five years, September 2010, we finally went to go pick up our precious baby, Annalise. She was seven months and two days. And it's just precious before God. And it was a gift, five years. We do not know one person that's ever taken over five years to get a baby from China. And yet it was during those moments where our hearts were tested. And I think a lot of our hearts are being tested right now. When things don't go the way that we anticipate it, there's testing and there's stretching. So the children of Israel are in a very unique situation. What are they going to do? And I believe that in this biblical account, God speaks to the children of Israel and gives them four unique things to do. Matter of fact, I'm gonna read this, then I'm gonna outline those four things and those are gonna be the four things that we're gonna talk about over the next month to help equip you to move through times of uncertainty. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 to 15. Listen to this. And Moses said to the people, number one, do not be afraid. Stand still. Remember, the Red Sea's in front of them. The Pharaoh's army is right behind them, closing in fast. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today You shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Right here, I believe we have amazing tools from God. So uh, what I would call, a a decision-making grid. There are tools that God has given us of how that we can navigate through times of uncertainty. Matter of fact, four things, and I'm gonna give this to you. These are four positive ways to respond to uncertainties in our lives. You may wanna write these down. I know that we have notes on the screen. Four positive ways. You gotta remember, they couldn't go forward in their minds. They didn't think they could. They definitely couldn't go backwards. And so God speaks to Moses To give to the children of Israel four ways to respond in a crisis. Four ways to respond in uncertain times. Let me give them to you. Number one, the first thing that God told Moses to tell the people is to fear not. Would you say that with me The count of three? One, two, three. Fear not. I'm going to talk to you next week about what fear is. Now, for those of you that are new to Christianity, this may sound a little bit far out there, but fear is not only a negative mindset, but the Bible says that fear is also a spirit. It's from the Greek word, numas. And it's interesting, Paul says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. That's not about an attitude. I wanna talk to you next week, how to overcome fear in our lives. So much fear in people's lives today. God told Moses, number one, fear not. Number two, second thing that God told Moses to tell the children of Israel is to stand still. I'm gonna teach you in week two of this series, I'm gonna teach you what it means to stand still. Standing still in the Bible is never, listen, it is never passively resigning yourself to circumstances, but it is actively standing on the word of God in a posture of faith that at any moment God's going to step into my situation. At any moment, God is going to break through and God is going to do so. And I'm trusting God. I'm standing on His word. Number one, God told Moses to tell the people, tell them, fear not, Moses. Number two, tell them to stand still. Stand in faith. Number three, He told them, hold your peace. In this series, we're going to learn how to walk in supernatural peace. God tells Paul to write to the church at Philippi and to encourage the Philippian believers that they can have a peace that surpasses all of their understanding. You know why we often don't have peace? Because we can think our way into anxiety. So much of peace, listen, it's a mental state, but it's also a supernatural reality. I'm gonna teach you in actually week four of the series, but the third key, I'm gonna teach you how to walk in supernatural peace. Listen to me. I can't guarantee you, and the Bible doesn't guarantee you peace in your circumstances, but the Bible always guarantees you peace on the inside. God told Moses to tell the children of Israel number one, fear not. Number two, stand still, stand in faith. Number three, to hold your peace. And number four, here's what he said Moses, tell them, tell them to go forward. In this series, I'm going to teach you how how you can step out when you know it's God's word and you know it's God's will, that you can step out even when you feel feelings of fear. Listen, I've learned in my life, I've walked with Jesus over 30 years, that I can feel fear I can feel those feelings of anxiety, but I don't have to submit to them. How many times have we submitted and become enslaved to a feeling? Sir, ma'am, you are not what you feel. You are what you believe. And I'm gonna teach you how to walk forward and how to move into what God has for your life. As we come out of this, as we move through this, we're gonna be stronger in faith. Now, I wanna close by saying this. What we see And what you may see as a setback, I believe it really is a setup for your future because I believe that God has a bright future for your life. This is not a slogan. I do believe the best is yet to come. I believe for your life. I believe for your family. But you know how it begins? Let me tell you how it all begins. It all begins when we open our heart to Jesus Christ. You know, some of you guys have been watching me the last three, four, five weeks. And maybe a friend told you to tune in. And you know, maybe you're... Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. Well, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ, he came, he walked this earth for 33 years. He gave of himself to die on a cross, to be buried and to be raised from the dead on the third day. And if we'll trust Christ, see the very beginning point of moving through uncertainty is to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'd like to close today with giving you an invitation. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? Matter of fact, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads right where they are. And If you do not know Jesus, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I wanna pray for you. I wanna I want pray for you that this would be the day, right where you are. Maybe you're sitting right in your living room and maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're some, in some different part of your house or apartment or wherever it is that you live. And it's a privilege each week to be able to come and talk to you, but here, here's how it works. When we come to God and we confess, Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, I recognize that I've fallen short. See, here's what the Bible says. All of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. Number two, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And number three, if we will personally confess with our mouth, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. If we confess that, we shall be saved. Would you bow your head right now? you say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Right where you are. All you simply have to do is just to click right there. Your host, online or on Facebook Live, you just click. I, want, I need Christ in my life. And, and I want to raise my hand to God. I need Jesus. If that's you right now, just, just let your host know that. I need Jesus. Pray for me. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. I know so many people are responding right now. It's the very first step to having the strength to be able to move through uncertain times is to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Let's pray this prayer. All those that are trusting Christ right now, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new reason to live. Say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray, Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. If you made a decision for Christ today, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to text decision, the word decision to 25827, would you do that? And I think that's on your screen. We'd love to stay connected with you. If you didn't receive Christ, you're already a believer in Jesus, and you've just found us a church king. Hey, we want to stay connected with you. You can join. Go on churchoftheking.com. Jump on our Facebook page, our Instagram account, my personal account as well. I would like to communicate. Matter of fact, every Monday night at 7.14 p.m., I'm leading everybody in a time of corporate prayer. I'd love for you to be part of that, okay? God bless you guys. It is an honor to encourage you with the word of God each week. We're gonna finish with a short song and then I will see you guys next week. God bless you guys.